Leah, I know how much you love spending time with the Lord throughout the day. Talk to me about the scene when you're spending time with the Lord. Yes, so my morning, I wake up, I hit brew on my coffee, and then the next thing I do is I light my candles. It sets a whole morning vibe for me. Mm, talk to me about the, the candle that you're loving right so now. So right now I'm digging this Spirit and Truth candle that is sunflower. It has a whole like summer to fall scent to it. I love it. Mm. And I love that Spirit and Truth candles each are created with a biblical attribute or truth with an accompanying scripture. Sunflower is gentleness and I'm just digging it. But I love even more that each one of these candles is made at home, poured in small batches with care and prayer in each candle they make. Oh man, so listen ladies, if you love candles as much as we do, check out Spirit and Truth Company at spiritandtruthco.com or you can find them on their IG handle at Spirit and Truth Candle Co. And right now you can purchase with the promo code TUCW, which gives you 15% off. So enjoy your candles, y'all. Ladies, welcome to the Urban Christian Woman podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for their everyday lives. I'm Tashiba Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross, and we're your hosts. This is season four. This season, we've got some exciting things in store. So join us as we study God's word, celebrate women living faithfully on mission, and dive into cultural issues through a biblical lens. You ready, Tashiba? Oh yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's Let's go. What's up, ladies, and welcome back to the podcast. We are happy that you are with us today. Hey, ladies. And we are in here on some Genesis. Mm -hmm. If you have not checked out the Genesis background, stop right now. Go back to the Genesis background. Read Genesis 1 and 2 three times, and then you can join us in here play because our desire is that you would grow in studying God's word for yourself Mm -hmm. and that we would be on this journey with you as we dialogue about Genesis. And so we're into Genesis 1 and 2. We're kicking it off right Mm -hmm. here in the creation narrative, and we are going to see right off the top in Genesis 1 and 1 that it says, in the beginning, God. So, Leah, yeah. jump us off, girl. I mean, you definitely um, said, in as we were talking about in the background, right? Like, God is the protagonist of the story. And so, it begins with God, in the beginning, God. And so, this is really the creation narrative, one and two. And to, to um, just sort of distinguish between the two, Genesis 1 comes out as like an orderly account of creation. And then Genesis 2 is more of a poetic account um, that focuses on humankind as the pinnacle of God's creation. And so as we look at, this, at these passages, our biggest takeaway is out of nothing, God spoke and created the world and humans as his crown masterpiece, this crown masterpiece of God's creation. And what God created was marked as good from the beginning. Um, And so really, as we're looking at everything, we're looking at God created, 
Um, he called and he said it was good. We're going to see that sort of pattern throughout. Mm-hmm. And so before we jump into like some of these repeated words, let's talk about who are the key players? Who's showing up on the scene? Yeah, we see right off the jump as God is the protagonist. He is going to be a main focus in Genesis chapter one. And then right towards the end, we're going to begin to see some other characters at play. So key players are God, the father, the son, and the spirit. We see that right in the text. The spirit is hovering over the waters. The father is there. The son is there. The spirit is there. Particularly, we see see in verses 1, 26, 27, 28, we're going to hear that that mandate. And it's very clear that the triune God has been there all along, but it says, let us mm-hmm. make man. So that us is, ident- is allowing us to see the triuneness of God um, navigated in chapter one. And then as we move forward, we're going to see Adam and Eve on the scene as well. And Leah, you're going to talk a little bit about this and like what that actually means, Adam and Eve. Is that their names? Like, are their actual names Adam and Eve? Tell us about that, Leah. But we're going to see what's going on Mm -hmm. in the text. So what's what's happening in the text? Yeah. So we get a account of the forming stage of God's creation. So um, this story is literally the beginning of not the beginning of God because he's always existent, um, but the beginning of what we have in an account of uh, what he has created in this world. Mm-hmm. And so um, obviously this is this is taking place across the created universe in all the earth. And then we zone into in and around the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like if we're unpacking the why, right? Like why is this taking place this is sort of this, uh, like, why did God create the world? I feel like that's a question that, like, one of my kids would ask me, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. from the backseat. Mom, why did God create the world? Yeah, but I even, I mean, kids ask that, but I think that right now in an age where people are um, deconverting right. and uh, questioning, like, is does God even exist? Like, if he does, why would a God create a world like this? And so these are, th- these are real questions that, yeah. people ask like from the low level to the high level from I the think low that's, to the high cool. yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah and so god is creating this because it is his nature to create these are the attributes of god right here right on the stage we see that mm-hmm. god is the creator he is a creator and in his nature he creates and because he is creative he desires to lavish his love and showcase his glory through what he creates, which is the world and creation in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about themes um, and just how we begin to see some key themes jumping out that, as we talked about in the background, are going to go like throughout the rest of scripture, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the biggest themes that I saw stand out, Sheeb, is the uh, theme of distinctions, right? Like God creates, he separates, he divides, he calls. These are these are words that we see used over and over again. Yeah. And so um, creation, as we talked about, which is one of the great uh, overarching themes of the Bible, 
is jumps off right here in creation, uh, in the creation narrative. Um, mm-hmm. and, and part of that is these distinctions, right? And these separations uh, that, he, that he does, that he performs in nature and then with human beings and animals um, are distinctions and boundaries. And God calls them good from the beginning. And so God's created order on earth does in fact have distinctions and boundaries and we are a part of God's creation. Which is so fascinating to me because oftentimes we see distinctions and boundaries in our brokenness, which I'm trying not to get to Genesis 3 and 4. We see them as negative aspects, Mm -hmm. right? And you you make this wonderful point about as we move forward, we see in uh, Genesis 1 these gender distinctions, the beauty of ethnic and cultural diversity, the distinctions between and and mankind like and so we see these distinctions and we see these boundaries mm-hmm. and these boundaries are boundaries and distinctions are very good things mm-hmm. they're good things that God has created um, and, and we wrestle with that oftentimes when we see boundaries in our own lives so I don't want to get too far ahead of mm-hmm. ourselves in some implications and you know some applications but distinctions and boundaries are good mm-hmm Mm-hmm. When God created them, he created them good. One of the uh, themes of distinctions and boundaries that you will also see repeated uh, in the, as the psalmist uh, writes poetry about God's creation and about his own limitations and the parallel between is uh, the waters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, he, he separates the waters and he causes the boundaries. And the psalmist actually recalls that as a way to say, no, your, your boundaries for me are also good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so that I know- He hearken- says your boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant, in pleasant places. places. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, mm-hmm. he even talks about like, you've caused the, the, the waters to say, okay, this far and no further, Yes, um, you say to those. And so I see that hearkening back to right here in Genesis 1, 9, mm-hmm. where God says, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So he He then se- he separates, right? Mm-hmm. He gives boundaries. Mm-hmm. And as he accomplishes that, he calls it good. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is um, for me, it really stands out as a place to land of like distinctions and separations God has called good from the beginning. And yeah. when we see just his creativity display that he has distinguished male and female and called it good, that he distinguishes animal from human and calls it good, that he distinguishes creation, different parts of creation, water and dry land, he calls it good. Mm-hmm. We then can come into sort of this understanding of, all right, right, like you're talking about, we're not going to jump too much into fall, but how our judgment based on distinctions is mm-hmm. not a part of God's original plan. It's not a part of it. So, so when we talk about, it's not ladies, even a part of His nature. Yeah, it's it, it is. This is this is example number one of why knowing the narratives will help us understand the whole rest of the scope of scripture. Yeah. Because if we know that judgments based on distinctions was not necessarily a part of God's plan, yes, then we know that things like racism, yes. okay, sexism, these distinctions, distinctions. that's right, uh, that that have judgments heaped on top 
our sin because they are not a part of God's original plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm I'm gonna move on because I feel like there's so I could just talk on that all day. Right. Well, I'm about to say we're about to go deep into the waters. Right, but but what I will say is that 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 that's just something where I think it stood out to me, and I really want um, to give ladies a chance to go back and, and examine that and sit before the Lord with that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Genesis one it all also holds this thing that we know as the cultural mandate mm-hmm. where God commissions mankind, humankind with a purpose, okay, with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know if you want to read yeah, that. I want to read it. Can I read it? Let's Can do I read it? it? In one twenty six through 28, I'm reading from the CSB. Um, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Right. And so we have from Jump a commission, a mandate um, that God has given humankind to do, right? There's mm-hmm. there's an intentionality behind the creation. And so I think that that's like a huge theme for us to see as well is like he gave he commissioned with a role and a purpose. And we yeah. talked about that last season as we talk about um, the cultural mandate and just purpose and all that. He has given mankind a purpose. And so as you see, again, this storyline play out, we're going to see how throughout history, God's creation has either clung and, and been obedient to that purpose, or we're going to see later on, especially further down in uh, Genesis 10 and 11, how mankind begins to stray from that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a yeah. whole lot to say on this portion, but I'm going to hold it to my social and cultural implications. So that's all I'm going to say. Right. We got a lot going on. Uh, no, we do. Um, in Genesis 2, talk about, you've talked about, so number one, the the Genesis 1 being full of distinctions is a clear theme. Mm-hmm. Genesis 1 also holds um, this cultural mandate in verses 1, 26 through 28. And then we find ourselves in Genesis 2. Two, and we see even Genesis 2 has some distinctions. So talk to us about this um, in verses like, yeah, 15, 16, um, regarding some of those distinctions. Yeah, I even think of um, just how there are these distinctions between uh, the tr- where God commanded uh, humankind to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave them uh, these trees that have fruit and um, even just in the distinction of like the river that flows, there's all these these creation um, elements that are, like I said, in Genesis 2, portrayed to us in more of a poetic format. Um, and then we again get the distinction of the relationship between man and woman that's given in Genesis 2, 18 through 25, uh, that gives us a super beautiful and poetic um, illustration yeah. of humankind and how man and woman were created. Yeah, and and also the reason why God is also creating these things as well 
what is their the, what is the reasoning for these things? It's it's you know in two fifteen these distinctions these things that are necessary for humankind to flourish, particularly in verses um, eight and nine. It says the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there He placed the man He had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we're seeing all of these things poetically, you know, just as you were saying, sort of like through through this uh, through this form for the sake of humankind, like why these things are being created, like there is a purpose in them. They're not just sitting in the garden idly, but even the trees, mm-hmm. even the even the the plants, even all the vegetation that is sprouting up, the waters, all of these things are necessary mm-hmm. um, for humankind to mm-hmm. flourish. flourish. And of course, yeah. we get to verses 15 and 16, right? which has even more distinctions that it says, the Lord God took the man, Mm -hmm. placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so we just see that these distinctions that God is making in regards to man, humankind has a responsibility. Um, and now is going back to your point of this cultural mandate mm-hmm. as well, that God is commissioning them uh, with purpose mm-hmm. um, for what from what he has created. Uh, We're going to talk about this in a little bit as well, but um, the idea that work is not a curse, uh, but that it was actually... Girl, say that again for all of us Mm -hmm. saints in the back. It's not a curse, fam. It's not. Feels like it It, because it's hard. The hard, the fact that it's hard is the curse, Come on now. Okay, but the work itself (laughs) was something good, right, that God commanded and commissioned man to do. I mean, Mm -hmm. as you read, he was... Uh, put in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And mm-hmm. so this was a good, good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we go, I, I just want to highlight this too, of like this um, this focus on this relationship between man and woman mm-hmm. um, that really begins for the first time, God calling out something that's not good, mm-hmm. right? Like he's, he's calling all these things that he's creating good. He created this and he said it was good. He created this and he said he's good. Then he looks and says in 18, it's not good that this man should be no alone. No bueno. It's no bueno. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Mm-mm. For the first time, he's calling out something that's not good. And that is the aloneness. And you know why? Because God himself is not alone. Okay? First of all, he's not sufficient. You don't need to be alone. Come on now. But in the triune nature that we talked about, he's like, oh, oh, fam. Adam needs what we have, Mm -hmm. this community, okay? Mm. And so he makes a helper fit for him. Mm. He makes a helper fit for him. And I mean, and and it's beautiful. The account of it is honestly beautiful. It's honestly straight beautiful. And so we see in both, both of these chapters that we have a clear idea of this theology of identity and this theology of work. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, you know, more as we get towards the, the application. But God is working in creation. Mm-hmm. And in 128, God describes the job of humankind. And... um 
And even in 2.15 and 2.16, he uses it. He says that he he ends up commanding it, I believe, in verses 2 and 15 in, in some of those um, translations as well. And so Adam is put in Eden specifically with the job um, of, uh, of work um, and to do work and to subdue it. And so... Uh, Leah, talk to us about some of these repeated words. Yeah, um, I feel like we took a whole entire detour in the themes. We were just digging in. Yeah. Um, but those are, yeah, those are some themes that that obviously stand out. And then as you are following along in your guides, um, we can talk about the repeated words, which is, which is really good to just highlight because we begin to see that the themes, this is really how you see the, the themes, right? Is yeah. beginning to look at what words are repeated. Okay, if it's repeated enough, it's probably because it's a theme, fam. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so in... In these repeated words, we see God said, and there was, God said, and there was, um, which is which highlights the theme of creation, right? Mm-hmm. That he spoke things and created them. Mm-hmm. Uh, God saw and separated and called. So again, the theme of distinctions, when you see that mm-hmm. he separated, he separated, he separated, it's like, okay, well, we begin to see this theme of distinctions coming out. Yeah. God called, God made, God created, yeah. God saw that it was good. And so these are all themes that we see through, repeated words, excuse yeah. me, that we see throughout that point us to what the themes are. Yeah, and and. You know, we we didn't cover this under the themes, but I would also say that God has full dominion. When we see these words being repeated, God said and there was, God saw, God separated, God called, God made, God created, God saw that it was good. God is pointing towards the dominion that he has Mm -hmm. alone over all things. And then in the midst of his dominion, he is operating out of that dominion through his authority. Mm -hmm. And so because he is the author of these things, he has the authority over these things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and that is good um, in, a, in a culture where um, our society sort of wants us to make us seem like we are the own authority over ourselves. No, when God created creation, mm-hmm. creation is coming under the authority and the dominion of the triune Godhead. Ladies, we're kicking off this season studying Genesis 1 through 11 and wanted to tell you about a great resource that you can use along with the podcast. Y'all, we are dropping a study guide just for you called In the Beginning. It's a great companion as you journey through the book of Genesis chapters 1 through 11 with us. You can access this free online download on our website, theurbanchristianwoman.com under resources. And sharing is caring. Use this guide and tell a friend or get a group of ladies in your local church and go through Genesis 1 through 11 with them too. We'd love to get this resource as well in the hands of more urban women. Ladies, please support us by leaving an iTunes review, hitting those stars, and tag us. Just tag us on your social media as you're growing in God's word with us and even using the resource. Let us know how it's blessing you. You can find us online at theurbanchristianwoman.com, on social media at theurbanchristianwoman. Even drop us a line, a DM, an email. Anything, girl. Anything. Yeah. Or if you're on Facebook, you can also leave us a message there as well. Just let us know how the ministry as well as the resource is blessing you.
Looking at some of these key verses, Leah, what did we pull out, drum roll, for <laughs> our key verses? I mean, yes, we obviously have to pull out the very first verse. Take us to Sunday school now. Are you saying it by heart from Sunday school? I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all can't. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Boom. This is where we're starting, fam. This is beginning. where we're starting. Um, and then what about, what else do we have? Do we pull out as key verses? Here? Yeah. We Genesis- already talked about the uh, cultural mandate, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. I read it earlier where it says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, come on. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. So Genesis 1, 26, 28 is, a, is another good, solid one to having your arsenal when understanding the narrative of creation. And then Leah, you you dropped in Genesis 2, 21 through 25. Right. So we're in this poetic account uh, and the Lord causes a deep sleep to fall on the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed it up in his place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a mm. woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Mm. And um, it it goes on to say, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. And so we have then this uh, poetic in detail account of uh, man and woman being created as as the definitive sort of collective pinnacle of humankind. Yeah, and I love the way that Um, That is poetically written because it speaks to the intimacy Mm -hmm. of God through the intimacy of not just how he created man, but more particularly the intimacy between humankind and the value between man and woman. Right. The value between man and woman, which then goes into even just highlighting the names of man and woman. Come on. Because when uh, in 23, when Adam says, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. If we look back at the Hebrew words, they're actually like an echo of each other. And mm. I, I'm not I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm about to butcher this. But it's ish and ishash, right? So uh-huh. there's almost like an echo with woman ishash um, that echoes the word for man. So it's like, it's it is man and woman are this similar parallel echo, right? Mm-hmm. That collectively uh, is identified as, okay, This these fit together, mm-hmm. right? Like this is why there was no other animal or anything anything in creation that was a helper suitable because it wasn't this ishash echo of who God created man as to, to and to be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, even just seeing that, and I want to just really um, circle back for a minute to why this is so important for us to see man and woman both as reflective of God because I was having a conversation the other day even we were talking about how it's a stumbling block for some people who have been so harmed by men mm-hmm. to even to even use God as he right pronoun right mm-hmm. but in this conversation I was just encouraging this sister like don't let that be a stumbling block because if you go back again this is why we got to go back why we got to go back to, to Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2 we see that both man and woman were a reflection of God's image Come right on. not one 
one or the other, but both. And so, yeah, we use this he pronoun for God, but ultimately God is neither man or woman. He is the full picture. He is a spirit full. and has nobody as we do. Come on now. Right. He is the full Catechize set us apart right now. being. Catechize And man and woman are the full reflection of God's character. So we can't even say right we now. have a whole reflection of God without man and woman, Ish and Ishash, side by side. Woo. Now I'm about to stop. Girl, we having church up in here. Okay? Okay. I had to go back to my Southern terms, honey. So when we're talking about these, oh, Jesus, I got to take a break right now. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. I love. He's going to set us free. Yes, I love truth. Mm -hmm. I love truth because, yes, truth sets us free. Mm -hmm. So knowing that how, what is it that we can listen? What, What do we see in the scripture about the attributes of God? Well, because God is self-existent, that means that he's eternal, that means that he always was and he is and he is to come. He is eternal. He is always. He is self-existent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just as we said before. Um, we also see that he is creator. We talked about this as well, that he is creator. He created everything. We see it. He Even in the words that we use through the key terms. And then... We talk about, um, we see the attribute of God being good because everything that he created is good. Mm-hmm. Towards towards the end of chapter one, he says, very and everything that he created was very good. And then we, we also are able to see that as God creates the seventh day, he sets it apart. He calls it holy. Mm-hmm. Why does he do that? Because when he is separating and he's setting things apart, he is doing that out of his own attributes, mm-hmm. which he is holy. There is no one outside of him that is like him. Mm-hmm. And so we see God being eternal. We see God as creator. We see God as good. And we see God as holy. If you want to uh, uh, grasp a little bit more, dig in the text around those attributes, you can go to the Genesis God, and there's an entire list of the attributes of God with other scriptural texts mm-hmm. to expound on that. But because of our time, we're just highlighting it mm-hmm. from the context of Genesis, straight from the text. Leah, talk to us about uh, how we going to live. How sh- in light of all that God is as mm-hmm. eternal, as creator, as good, as holy, mm-hmm. as the one who spoke and it was and all these things, mm-hmm. how then should we live? Yeah. I mean, the I think the implications spiritually primarily are that we are created by and for God and that when he created humankind, he called humankind good. And so our story ultimately begins with God, which means that our souls can only be fully satisfied in God alone because God is the goodness Mm -hmm. through which we were created. Mm. So when we talk about like the goodness of God, this morally excellent, virtuous, righteous uh, quality of God, we can be satisfied in him, right? We can be satisfied because he, he alone holds this goodness. Um, And then, you know, secondly, like we think about Um, what we've heard before in many places, we become what we behold, right? So when we fix our eyes and our gaze on God, we are drawn in to worship him. And so I think that that is 
also why sort of we have this poetic uh, narrative reflecting creation because it's it's a it's a outpouring of the account right is an outpouring into the account as a form of worship, mm-hmm. saying just how beautiful and how marvelous God's creation actually is. Yeah, Leah, when when this uh, point was really brought up, one of the things that I thought about as you know, I just recently turned forty, and I've been thinking through like my childhood, a whole lot of mm-hmm. things that just remembering and giving God, you know. Uh, praise for he is worthy, you know, but in the midst of this, I was thinking about how my parents uh, sent me to Girl Scout camp and being out at Girl Scout camp, a huge part of that was exploring and experiencing nature and creation. And um, I know many of us have not, we're in Cleveland. Cleveland was just identified to have the best national park in the nation. Shout out to Cleveland, okay? Our national parks. But there is this this, uh, just practicality of getting outside and walking and exploring and looking and gazing at creation Mm -hmm. because when we're seeing what God has made, it should lead us to worship him. That no tree is alike. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, no waterfall is alike. No mm-hmm. path is the is the same. And even when you go down the same path, mm-hmm. something new unfolds. Mm-hmm. You're able to see the seasons mm-hmm. as he created in Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we fix our gaze on is what we worship. And mm-hmm. if you're not a person who actually engages in just uh, experiencing the beauty of God through nature just to be still in our fast-paced society. We live in these larger cities. Take some time to pause and just get away in a park and and see the beauty of God and worship Him through what you see and explore through creation. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about some implications personally. I had to put that too. No, in. that's good. I'm actually really just going to hammer on this because I think it's what's most valuable for uh, our listeners mm-hmm. is that God created uh, this distinct the the calling of Ishash, right, woman. And he called the creation good, Mm -hmm. right? And so if we as women were created in God's image, do we view being a woman as good, right? Mm. Do we view it from the beginning or do we chop chop ourselves off at the legs and only view the narrative of women beginning at Genesis 3? Right where the where the the fall and the curse and all that and so let's just bring ourselves back and say hey let's look at what God said about womankind yeah from the beginning yeah and that all the distinctions that He gave us all the the distinctions and separations mm-hmm. were good yeah 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 and 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 I would say like all truth in in that all truth is God's truth so we're now in a space where women are understanding like the mm-hmm. need for body positivity mm-hmm. all of these things mm-hmm. you know in our humanity and in the fallenness of ourselves we can go too far with it but ultimately what God is saying because I made woman she is good mm-hmm. and so some of us have grown up as you know with a a a a a, a some of us have grown up with uh, not having a right view of how mm-hmm. we see ourselves because we are not looking at God Amen. to see ourselves. Amen. And especially as we deal with an age 
of social media and images vying for our attention, Mm -hmm. we have to really root ourselves Mm -hmm. in a healthy theology Mm -hmm. of identity. Especially as some of us have come up under a generation of church uh, culture Mm -hmm. that has made women second-class citizens. Yes, subversive. We got to go back to what Genesis 1 says about women in order Mm -hmm. to really have a right view of God and a right view of ourselves. Yes. Some of y'all be dogging on God for something that he never even said. He did not create you to be second-class citizen. Yes. He created you in his image, and he said it was good. And equal. Mm -hmm. And equal in the space of God sees man and woman both as good. Fully dignified. Fully fully dignified. Amen. Fully dignified. So, yeah, what what do we have here as far as uh, social and cultural implications in Genesis 1 and 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, A couple of things that we sort of see is, one, the earth is the Lord's Mm -hmm. and everything in it because he has made everything. He made the beginning. He is the beginning and he is the authority of all created and moral order. The other thing that we see is that all humankind originates from the one man who was made in the image of God. So we know that all the people of the earth from every ethnicity Mm -hmm. reflects God's image. So the real question is, how does that affect how we view and value those who are ethnically different? Mm -hmm. How does the value practically express itself? Mm -hmm. Like, do we value every ethnic group, Mm -hmm. every ethnic culture, as being made in the image of God, are are we seeking to to water down and wash away Mm -hmm. the beauty of another's culture and heritage? And so we have to be very much so aware that what God created, it was made in his image Mm -hmm. from one man. Mm -hmm. And then this component of creation care folding into God's commissioning of humankind and, and the, the way that we care for our creation, especially as urban women, yeah. what is challenging about creation care in your urban context? You know, what might obedience to God's call to cultivate and subdue look like in the urban context? Is that listening? Is that praying? Is that participating, right? Mm-hmm. Is that being in a space where you are an advocate, a peer mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's creation care. Mm-hmm. Hello, somebody. Amen. When you're a peer mentor at school, when you're a tutor, Amen. when you come, you know, when you, are you a crossing guard? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just saying like, and I know I was narrowing that school because right now I got kids. I just dropped them off. But there's so much more. And then what are simple next steps? that we could take when it feels like creation problems are overwhelming. Do you need to listen, be still, and hear the voice of God? Do you need to spend time in prayer? I thought a lot about the Psalms. Becoming a participator is not just through the physical activity. Mm -hmm. Yes, God wants us to be physical participators in our context and care for the creation in that way, right? Through justice and mercy. But I think there is also a way in which we need to, when it becomes overwhelming, Mm -hmm. practice the practice of prayer 
through the Psalms. The Psalms are a beautiful place to begin as we yeah. as we navigate the overwhelmingness of the creation care when when there's a lot of gun violence that is taking place when we're dealing with um, a climate lot change. climate change man, um, man. Uh, or the sexual abuse. Yeah. Come on now, we were just talking about the value that women have going back to the Psalms and reminding ourselves around Psalm 139 that we are uh, the passages that say that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Our soul knows it very well. Yeah. Reminding ourselves what is true and the Psalms is able to meet us mm-hmm. as we pray um, and seek the Lord's face. Yeah. And so I think those are some key components. Leah, do, do you have any other questions or that we could be asking ourselves um, in the space of creation care or reflecting the image um, of God? I mean, to be um, honest. And the jobs that he's given us, right? Because we have a yeah. mandate from the Lord. What yeah. are some of those questions yeah. that we could ask? When I thought, mostly when I thought about creation care, I was thinking about um, just how challenging it is to um, exalt the beauty of the earth in an urban context, right? Mm. Like we get this joy in Cleveland of having both nature and, you yeah. know, um, the concrete jungle, if you will. But yeah. fam, in the space that I live in, like I do not see um, a the, lot of trees. Yeah, I do not see a lot of trees. And not only that, I don't see the beauty of our creation being managed well. I mm-hmm. see a lot of trash, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I see a lot of garbage and mm-hmm. and uh, just unkempt areas. Mm-hmm. And so this is like a, a thing I think for me when I think about what does it mean to um, to cultivate uh, the earth and really exalt like the beauty of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it looks like in the, in the context of an urban space or urban culture. I don't know what it looks like in the context of globally where we're at with climate change. But I do know that there's something in that that God wants us to tap into and see and know and not just be consuming from his earth, but how do we actually cultivate? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And, and Can you leave a little bit of a less a less carbon imprint, right? Right. Like how, much, how much shopping could you just minimize? Yeah. You know what I'm there saying? Are really, I think there are practical ways yeah. and, I, and I go back and forth on what those ways are. I'm not trying to are. be super specific, yeah. but but, but I know, think there thinking. are. I mean, I think I can't tackle the whole world's problems, right? I can't. I, I drive through Cleveland all the time, and I'm like, man, if I could just pick up all the trash in all the city, I can't. Yes, yes. But here's what I can do. I can cultivate them to do on my street. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I can oh, grab yeah. my neighbors together, and we can do some real practical care in that mm-hmm. way. I can advocate for, um, you know, recycling in Cleveland, fam. Yeah. Like, let's well, bring it back. Can I just, I mean, and I'm, I'm not like... I have to say this because this is a real tangible thing. Leah um, is the executive director for um, New City Cleveland, a ministry here in Cleveland, Ohio. And I think about this summer as they sought to brought to to bring care to the creation um, around them, and how they invited us towards the work of the beauty of a park that had it, it was just sort of just sort of uncared for. It was neglected. And the way in which God brought beauty and goodness into that area that she participated by reaching out to the councilman and building a relationship with the councilman and building a relationship in the community that that the councilman was able to paint, bring uh, uh, tables into the space, cut the grass, paint the diamond when we had the kickball tournament. I mean, this is creation care 
This is what it means for us to participate in God's work that he gave us a mandate to be fruitful, to to multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it. And so I think about that. Do we seek to reflect the character of God in our everyday life? Do we view work through the lens of commissioning? Do we value the rhythm of rest? And do we view our mission through the lens of fruitfulness? cultivation and dominion. And so, Leah, will you pray for us? Yeah. Father, we thank you for um, just your word. We thank you that it is alive and active. It teaches and instructs us primarily about who you are Mm -hmm. and how great you are and your great love for us and your plan for us. We thank you first and foremost that you are good and that you created us to exist out of your goodness, um, to experience your love and to be satisfied in you. And so I pray for the women that are listening to this podcast that they would find their satisfaction in you this week that they would delight in being created by you uh, for a good purpose and for your glory would you be with us saturate us with your word in jesus name amen amen have a blessed day ladies